Welcome back everyone. I know this is a new voice, so allow me to introduce myself. My name is Ashley Mesa, and I will be taking over as digital editor next semester. This week on the Pacific Index podcast, writer Ashley Mesa talks with the Vice President of Student Affairs and the Chief of the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, Narce Rodriguez. They converse about what those three values mean to Pacific and how the school makes efforts towards improving. I'll turn it over to them for their conversation. But first, a moment to thank our sponsors. The Pacific Index podcast is sponsored by the College of Business at Pacific University, the Pacific University Department of Theater and Dance, and Anchor FM. For more information and links to our sponsors' website, please visit packindex.com sponsors. And now, over to Nartit and Ashley. First of all, I would love if you could just introduce yourself and your, your, your title and what you do here. Yeah. Of course. So my name is Narce Valia, but my preferred name is Narce, N-A-R-C-E, Rodriguez, last name. And my title is Vice President of Student Affairs and Chief of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion here at Pacific University. I've been here for about four years. Okay. So my story is about diversity, equity, and inclusion at Pacific University and the recent OEDI report that was released. Mm-hmm. So the first question I have is, do you feel that Pacific is a diverse school? Do you see a lot of diversity at the school? Well, I think that Pacific University, certainly at the undergraduate level, is bringing a lot more uh, diversity in, in students. So for example, are entering I've been here mainly, just for example, the last two first year entering students, I don't like to call it freshmen, about 40% of the students coming in are non-white. So our students from Hawaii tend to bring quite a bit of diversity. And then our Latinx population also is growing rapidly for us at Pacific. So the diversity is there in regards to the students coming to us. We don't necessarily have the diversity reflected itself. There's a disparity among the faculty and staff that serve our students. So there's a disparity there that we're not there yet. Do you think that the school is making an effort to make the school more diverse? and include a diverse audience and faculty? Do you think that the university is working towards it? I do think so. I do think that the university is committed to that. I know that the reason that I have the EDI job, the chief of EDI, is it really comes or it came from student um, support, student activism. Before I, I came here, maybe like five years ago, that the students were really wanting the university to have someone that would be able to work with the institution with policy and procedures and in regards to equity, diversity, and inclusion. So university made that commitment to do that. And since I've been here, you know, as you saw in your report, there's several diversity committees that have now formed throughout the institution, such as the College of Optometry, the College of Arts and Science. The School of Education has had a diversity committee for a while, and they do great work. The College of Health Professions at the graduate level also has a diversity committee. And of course, we have 
via our governance structure, the University Diversity Committee, that speaks to the commitment that Pacific University has in acknowledging and recognizing that the world and the United States is changing on us, and we would really fall behind if we didn't pay attention to the diverse student population that's coming to us. Okay. So do you think that Pacific follows the three values that were mentioned in the OEDI report? The, you, you know, um, yeah. Yes. You know, this, this whole EDI work is, it's really doing reparations. And let me explain what that is. When institutions of higher ed were established, such as Pacific University, Oregon State, PSU, so forth and so on, when they were established was obviously many years ago. Pacific is a, a university got established many years ago. I think it was 1851. Don't call me on that. You might have to look it up. That they were not established with people that look like me, right? Or other diverse groups. It was really established with a lot of privilege and that privilege comes from white male privilege. And then we got it like, Unpack it, unpack it a little bit more, and think about the historical context of our, you know, our, of our, of our country, where our country was established with the genocide, with colonialism, with manifest destiny of massacring and doing a lot of atrocities towards our Native American brothers and sisters, and then the enslavement, and. That's just, that it's important to know all of that. When you ask me about diversity is when we are here at the university, we're trying to disconstruct. It's almost like dismantle policies and procedures that are rooted in whiteness and white supremacy. So this EDI, equity, diversity, and inclusion is doesn't get unpacked and dismantled in a uh, in a year or two because it took many years to get it to where it's at now. So, but I do believe that Pacific is committed to doing that based on professional development opportunities that we provide for faculty, staff, and students because everybody is at a different stage of their vulnerability to understand what, what are the what does this even mean? What does equity, diversity, inclusion mean? What is that about? What does it mean? What does it mean in the classroom? What does it mean in the cafeteria? What does it mean in art? You know, what does it mean for students when they arrive here uh, and they might look, they might be non-white? Do they see themselves at this campus? Right. So it's it is happening, um, and it's a matter of commitment. And it's it's not just like okay, I'm gonna do one thing and then I'm done. It's an everyday labor of love for this type of work. I wish the positions such as mine, a chief equity didn't exist. It, you know, I think I, I, I wish things would have started right from an equitable uh, landscape from the beginning, but they weren't. So here we are trying to make it right. Is there any of the, the three values that you think needs to be highlighted more or improved more than the others at Pacific? That's a good question. You know, this one may sound pretty simple, but I think I certainly would like to see more of this. One is the very simple one, which is out of diversity. Just getting to know people, 
getting to know how different cultures that come to us, you know, what diverse students and faculty staff they bring to us. One is just to honor that there's a difference, right? And then just get to know people for who they are. Just get to know people for, for who they are. And I think that one takes time. And then the equity is really about utilizing an equity lens with everything that we do. So for example, if we're sitting around the table, the first questions we should, we should be asking ourselves, and we're going to be making a decision, we should ask ourselves, who's missing at the table? Who should be included at the table if we're going to make XYZ decision? It's going to be a decision about a building, a construction, for example. Do we have the voices of those that are disabled? Do we have the voices of those that need to be at the table? And then use equitable best practices to say, okay, if we make XY's decision, what's the impact going to be on veterans? What's it going to be on disabled people? What is it going to be on women? Was it going to be on low-income students, so forth and so on? So all of those work in, in, in kind of synchronized in partnership. So I don't think one is more important than the other, but I do think one is super important for our students, that all of those three, if they operate synchronously, is to provide a sense of belonging for the student and make sure that he, she, or they fit at the institution and not fit like fit for who, but that they feel like they belong. Uh, to me, that's equity. To me, that's diversity and inclusion. Good question, Ashley. Thank you. So do you feel like the pandemic or just the year 2020 in general brought any obstacles to meeting those values or just having resources for a diverse audience? Did you see any obstacles or anything that the pandemic brought upon that? Oh, yes, Absolutely. The obstacles that I've seen is that many of our students are on financial aid, Pell Grant, low income, and many of them, their parents are essential workers and they lost their jobs. So it's really created a financial inequities of students having to take less hours or even leaving school or posse, you know, stopping school to be able to go help mom and dad or whoever they live with to be able to pay them the day-to-day bills that are needed. I think that another inequity are, especially here in Washington County, you know, we tend to have a large Latinx population are not being vaccinated at the same rate as um, counterparts. So that's an inequity that actually has a ripple effect on our students of color whose parents have not been vaccinated yet and then become ill. And then if we have students that are undocumented and their parents don't have insurance, then it ends up just having not only medical, but also a economic hardship on them. So I'm not sure if you'll know the answer to this question. So how is Pacific going to, it, will Pacific be doing anything to help with students getting vac- vaccinated? Mm-hmm. And how how are they helping those students that you were just talking about get those vaccines? Yeah, so that that is what Pacific does. Pacific has a COVID task force that it's led by the president and other administrators. 
and they meet on a weekly basis. And what they do is really follow the CSD outlines as well as the governors. So those are followed based on what it is that we're expected to do by the state. So there's also, it's called a higher ed consortium. Don't quote me on that, it's called HEC, a higher ed consortium, I think. They advise us based on the conversations they have with the governor in regards to what our needs are. Because here at Pacific University, as you already know, we have a lot of dormitories, right? When it's a good year, we can have up to about 1,200 students. And that's called, it could be almost similar. It's like a nursing home, right? Everybody's living together. So we are conscious of uh, making sure that our students get vaccinated, but we have to wait until the governor gives us the okay of when that will be. It could be as early as May or June, but we don't know yet. We do have a series of students that have been vaccinated already, especially those that are in the field of College of Health Professions, like optometry and dental hygiene and so forth and so on. And they need to do their uh, clinical rotations, which is like the work that they need to do for, for their degrees out in the community. We've also had some students that we consider them essential employees of the institution who've also been vaccinated, such as like resident assistants, like RAs, for example, or people that work in our food industry here as well. So, but we have to follow the, uh, the CS, the, the, I just fix is kicking in. CSD. CDC? CDC. Thank you. Yeah, see, my dyslexia kicked in. So, yeah, we have to follow, but yeah, that would be ideal. We just follow the guidelines that they provide us. Okay. So, with like dorms and stuff, is is there like a way for students to connect with? So, if like they come from different cultures and ethnicities, when they go to college, is there a way for them to meet other people in their buildings? I don't know if you understand what I'm asking. I just remember having this interview with this girl last year who said that she wished that Pacific did more efforts into finding roommates with more common interests. And I'm just wondering, that was about a year ago. And I don't really know. I don't live on campus, so I don't know anything about how dorms work and how roommates are put together. Just, I don't know. We, we have a... um. Lisa Yellow is a director. We have a large housing housing office and she does what you're talking about, you know, and I've had a daughter that has lived here at the, at the residence house as well. So it's almost like a dating thing, you know, where they match people based on interest. What I have heard some students talk about is that they would like to know if there's an opportunity to be able to have like a wing in each of the dormitories that has like a specific theme like, you know, students that identified as LGBTQ or Latinx students or just BIPOC, like Black Indigenous uh, POC people. So that's been a conversation that has been brought up this year to residence halls to explore it. And then I also know that the uh, College of Arts and Science Dean, Dr. Sarah Phillips, is working very closely with the admissions office on a uh, mentoring program and what is what that means is that and i don't know exactly what the program is called because it's pretty new where students will be matched current students will be matched with entering 
first year students at the undergraduate level. So they connect with like a similar profile or whatever profile they're looking for to be able to start establishing that relationship from the beginning. Another thing that also we have done in in the student affairs uh, world is to have orientations that are specifically offered to those that might be interested, such as ALAS has orientation just for the Latinx students at the beginning of the year with their parents. And also we do that for the Black Student Union. And then we've also done that with our LGBTQ students. And they, this year was kind of funky because it was COVID. So obviously this last year, it was not very well attended. We maybe had a few people, but the years before we've actually had full houses for the parents and students and the little brothers and sisters and grandma, you know, and then for a black uh, student union, we've uh, done the same. And we've also invited some community members to come and welcome them as well, uh, or for the parents and the students to ask any questions of where do I cut my hair or where's my church or, you know, answer those type of questions. So we do have that in the orientation component. Did you transfer in or did, did you get an exception for not living in the residence house, Ashley? I transferred. I'm a transfer. Okay. Yeah. Where did you transfer from? PSU. PSU? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and where do you live right now? I live in Hillsboro. So I just stayed at home with my mom. So. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> So this is actually my last question. Um, Do you think that resource centers, clubs, and sports also do a good job supporting the three values? And how do you see like diversity in in sports and clubs and centers? This year, I've been really proud of them, especially, for example, our ALA students, our Hispanic Student Union did like a day, El Dia Los Muertos, a day of the death. Mm -hmm. They meet bi-weekly. I go to their meetings. I just went to their meeting last week. And they did this beautiful storytelling about honoring women. So they were honoring their abuelitas or their moms. And then we have NHOH, which is our students from Hawaii who are very active right now. They're getting ready to do like a a virtual fundraiser with some previous recording of the luau's that they did. We're working very closely with our, we started the land acknowledgement task force. And right now we're looking at how do we do land acknowledgements? How How do we put together? What do we need? We're just at the beginning stages of educating because people are asking, we want to do a land acknowledgement. It's like they want, they just want like a recipe, like it's making cookies, but it doesn't work that way. So, you know, we're working on doing some educating with that and eventually putting all that information on my website. Our LGBTQ is pretty active. They're getting ready to have a lavender ceremony and then also a queer prom as well. So... What we're not doing a good job right now that I think we need to do more is with our transfer students. I think we have an opportunity. Um, I also have a daughter that transferred in and she said, you know, kind of feel like just like a, just floating around, you know? So um, there hasn't been like concrete transfer, what I call like transfer best practices where we can have our transfer students feel at home, especially our diverse students because the majority of the students that are transferring to us, whether it's from PCC or PSU or other schools within the state, are students of color, so including veterans. So we need to do a better job of that. And most of the orientations that we've done for our, for our transfer students, they mirror pretty much the first-year students, which is a very different experience for a first-year versus a transfer. The transfer students, you all, you've been around the block, you know, you're a little more mature and, you know, you need different things than a first-year student. 
Yeah, definitely. That's what I've seen. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely relate to that. How you said it feels like a floater, floating, mm -hmm. I don't know. Especially, so I'm a journalist and I'm in the index and everybody kind of already knows each other. And um, since I'm a transfer, I take the, the higher level classes. I don't need to take the intro classes anymore. And by that point, everybody already knows each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you actually, do you think you can touch a little bit more on the land, um, the land uh, acknowledgement? Yes, land acknowledgement. And what that is, and I've I've seen that in a, a few times in a few meetings, but I'm not really sure what. Yeah, so the land acknowledgement is actually it's something that it's done to honor and respect the land that we are actually sitting on, which is stolen land by genocide by killing. In Pacific University, it's actually done quite a bit of work. In the person that I give a lot of credit to, her name is Eva Gumemos. And she works in the library, uh, historian, and uh, has a lot of history and records. Pacific University, the land that we have here that we sit on, was the first Indian school that we had in Oregon, which, you know, literally took the chiquitos, the little ones, those niños, and brought them over, separated them from their parents to indo indoctrinate them. To religion and to colonize them. So there's a lot of history of that here in Oregon and, and here in Pacific University. So the land acknowledgement is a way to be able to acknowledge anytime there's a, a, like a graduation, uh, a big ceremony, to make a statement that we are sitting on borrowed land, right? So if you have interest in that, let me know because I can um, invite you to one of the meetings if you want to come and just even do maybe an article or something, you know, and um, be more than happy to invite you. We do have about three three students that sit on that committee. So the committee actually sits, it's part of the University Diversity Committee, University Diversity Committee. So it's it's a subgroup that's working on that. And we just... Um, it used, to call, it used to be called the Land Acknowledgement Task Force, and uh, we're calling it something different now that's escaping me. I think it's called the Indigenous Programming Task Force. I can't remember exactly. But a lot of energy and work. We're also doing some reparations with Grand Ronde, which is the closest Native American reservation we have here, because as there's been some excavating here in, in these properties. There's been some artifacts that we have found. So we have returned those as well. So yeah, a lot of history, a lot of history there. I see. Yeah, I actually, I would really like to learn more about the land acknowledgement and make an article about that. That would be really awesome. And that was my last question. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Of course, Ashley. <laughs> and stories should come out either this week or in two weeks. I'm not sure okay. which issue, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, take care and have fun with the article. that's a wrap. Thank you to Narsa for having this conversation with me. The Pacific Index thanks all of our listeners. This is our last podcast for the semester, but check back in in the fall where you'll be hearing more from me and from all of our index writers. Have a safe summer.